an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy Priestner and Martin Holmes. Welcome back to an A to Z of UK TV drama with me, Andy. And me, Martin. Hello, Martin. Hello, Andy. How are you doing? Yes, fine. Given <laughs> all the constraints and weirdness of the time, pretty good. Yeah, excellent. That's good to hear. Do you, uh, do you want to tell the people what we're working on today or do you want to leave that up to me? <laughs> well, we've reached the letter G, so that means... It means uh, Alan Bleasdale's landmark 1990s drama... Uh, which was another seven-part story, and it's basically called GBH. And I'd just like to start with one question, because I know you hadn't seen this before, right? Yeah, it was in cellophane-wrapped on right. my shelf. And But you knew it by reputation. I knew that it was a landmark drama, yes. Right. So what did you think you were going to get? Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Rather than what you actually got. I'm just interested, because... Yes, yeah, I thought that you come to something yeah, with. I thought I was going to get a really intelligent um, drama that was very politically intelligent, um, would make you question what you knew about life and society and your beliefs. Um, I expected some amazing performances because I knew it had Michael Palin and Robert Lindsay in it, and mm -hmm. Duke Walters. Um, and it was just so lauded that an eighty-six percent of people on IMDb say that it's yeah. great. Yeah, and and and, and yeah. so you thought you were you were you really thought you were going to like it. You really thought, thought I'm I, coming at this yeah. thinking this is great. Looking forward to this. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I knew, I knew right. it got best. So that's actor. where we start. I, I knew it got best actor Robert Lindsay, and I knew that right. Lindsay Duncan and Michael Palin were nominated for best actors in their categories, mm -hmm. and that it was nominated for best drama serial. So honestly, okay. that doesn't happen by accident. That, no. that. Do we know what the other nominations that year were? Well, that would be a question. that's a question I have now. Yes, yeah. indeed. Mm. Okay. Okay. Right. Well, you see, the other thing is, you could argue, yeah. rightly or wrongly, that this is peak Alan Bleasdale. This is when he's at the top of his game. This is when he's wow. at his at his most wow. um, most no no most well known. I mean, we could we could sort of say, well, maybe we should have done boys from the black stuff because that's what he's possibly better known for but mm. we'd already done B and we'd done yeah. B with uh, a wild a wonderful series <laughs> and so we come to this but we know that uh, this is Alan Bleasdale riding on the crest of his career wave going to Channel 4 doing a seven part you know like say monumental drama yeah. series for the for 1991 I think it is and do you want to kick off Andy? <laughs> 
<laughs> now, it's dangerous asking me if I want to kick off with this. So basically, <laughs> this is nine and three quarters hours of, hours of my life that I'm not getting back. Right. I'm still in a complete state of shock at how utterly abysmal I think it is. <laughs> I think it's thematically, stylistically, structurally all over the place. I think the writing is freaking awful. And I think it's one of the most overrated bits of tripe I've ever had the unpleasant experience to watch. <laughs> so, next time on this. <laughs> uh, right, well, there we go. Um, so, uh, let, let's cards on the table, you know. <laughs> we know where you're coming from with this. So, I, I personally, just... I, I saw this on transmission. Yeah. Uh, I was bought it about 10 years ago as a present and watched it and actually found the entirety of it satisfying 10 mm. years ago. Satisfying wow. as, a, as a whole entirety. Okay. You know, maybe I didn't have quite the same uh, vocabulary of <laughs> TV drama back then as I have now. But, uh, I, you know, it was bought for me. I watched it. Um, watching it now, I was actually more appalled than I probably was then. When we watched it over we binge watched it over a weekend about ten years ago and yeah. weren't massively offended. Possibly because we didn't really know what just I'd forgotten most of what happened. I remembered moments. I was probably looking forward to the bits I remembered. It's very difficult to just watch something, you know, cold, if you like. Yeah. I and mean, this is what you've done. And either you like it or you don't, you know. Yeah. But I mean you've got you've got um You've got this, 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 it's a political drama, which, you know, again, you know, from that point of view, interesting, probably has some interesting things to say. I mean, I, usually, to... I, I should say I usually go for a political drama in a big yeah. way. I love political dramas. I just, it's yeah. one of my favourite things. So that's okay. why I was even more surprised. And, and, and sort of runs to about 10 hours to tell, what would you say, a about a two-hour story in real time. Totally. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually, um, know, I actually know it was five hundred and sixty-seven minutes because I'm that annoyed. <laughs> You've counted. That I actually them. checked. <laughs> You're <laughs> ticking them off. Yeah. No, your, literally. Your literally. Can I tell you something? This is so funny. Another second this gone. Is, this is so funny. My DVD remote, right, has yes. a button on it that I didn't know existed before I watched GBH, and that is the status <laughs> button to tell me how much of an episode I've got left, and I didn't know that I had that on my remote. Because every wow. episode, I was waiting for it to end. And, I was just like, and every time it was 20 minutes or half an hour in, I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do this. So anyway. So that's, 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 kind of, that's kind of damning. Well, this is going well. <laughs> I'm hoping you're all still, in, still here. I have lots to say, though. I have lots to yes. say. So you About know. your ordeal by Bleasdale. Yes. <laughs> I have lots to say. And oh. the funny thing is, I have got ticks on post-its of things that I liked. Oh, and good. I can see one, two, three, four, five ticks on seventy. Five ticks on right. seventy post-its. So okay. you know, it ain't all and bad. I have to, it nearly is. I, have but... to, I do have to hold my hands up and say that I did post a scene from it on Twitter the other day. Oh, did you? Which is from the from the final episode. Uh, I maintain that the the second half of the story is better than the first half. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but there you go. Maybe I I prefer people's downfalls to their rise to power. But um. Should we do? The, we should do a synopsis, shouldn't we? We probably should let people know what they're in for. Yes. Yeah, okay. So if I start that, and if I, if you maybe bolster it, if I don't say enough. Yeah. Okay. So it's about the leader of a council in an unspecified city, um, in the north of England, which looks a lot like Manchester. Yes. And 
And the lead character, played by Robert Lindsay, is called Michael Murray. He's had a rise to power to become leader of the city council. And he's kind of a wide boy, charismatic, um, very shiny suited guy. And he's got lots of yes men around him. And he is Labour in a country that is obviously Tory at this point and fighting back against the Tory government has a holds a strike for basically all services in the city isn't it including schools but one school remains open because it's not picketed and the headmaster of that school played by Michael Palin um <coughs> is kind of standing against him in the sense that he keeps his special school school for special children open and that's kind of the start of their rivalry, but that rivalry doesn't happen anyway. I'll, I'll stop criticising that now. Um, so his well, his his position is that he won't cross a picket line because he is a Labour man himself. Yeah. And but there are no pickets at his school yeah. for reasons, and so he does go yeah. in, and therefore they are brought into conflict. Yes. And then you've also got um, a backstory, which is Michael Murray as a child having an experience at school um, that we don't find out fully about until all the way through at the end but he has a, had a troubled childhood as much as, as much as we know and also there is someone who is after him who is also to do with that past and um, played by Lindsay Duncan and then you've got various peripheral characters who god help me I don't know why they're there <laughs> <laughs> well there is definitely a running thread about uh where political power lies yeah and and who is actually pulling the strings and who wants to bring people down and who wants to maintain the status quo and and all the sort of angry young man sort of uh stuff is kind of coming out uh in a in a in a quite bizarre kind of a way i mean i i find the series strange because it's it's it really does knock socialism completely but and does have, but it does have an essential truth about extreme left-wing politics in it. But you kind of think the idea of the series is to be very pro-socialist, but it 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 really doesn't seem to manage that. It, it seems completely to... fails to do that in a way yeah. that I find. I can imagine people who like like Bleasdale or his mates who are Labour were thinking, "What the fuck's he doing?" Because mm. it's so anti-Labour. Um, until the final episode where you get this final speech which he's so obviously pleased to have written and Michael Palin is so obviously pleased to deliver and it's the most obvious, dull uh, speech about I like, I like it, I do like it as a speech I mean that's one of the reasons I posted it <laughs> I like it as a speech if it was not in this drama because it's all it about would... the principles of labour and what it is to be socialist <laughs> and about common decency but Alan Bleasdale yes. calls that out as what this drama is about is about this yes. is this is about the fight against common uh, 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 the fight for common decency in our lives. Mm. But the and drama, it takes nine hours to get there. But the drama series is not about that. It is categorically not about that, and that's why I'm so no. furious. What it yeah. is about is manipulation of people to enact violence or manipulation of people to think they're better than they are. Mm -hmm. So screwing with people's brains in order to create situations which are violent and horrific, and that is not any sort of treatise on society, which is what mm. this series claims to be. All it is, mm. is observation of what some twisted, cruel people have done. And therefore, that takes away from the fact, that takes away from the responsibility of society 
to be good because it's not about that the series is not about that it's about people who are twisting power for their own ends and mm-hmm. that is not about society today that is about a few twisted people we, we, I suppose we should mention that, that the, the clue is in the title there, really, isn't it? I mean, but the point is, it's not an ironic title. Well, tell Basically, me about this title because it thinks it's cleverer than it is. Tell me about. The yeah, well, I mean, I say lots. Of, I mean, I don't think you get through a single episode without an example of GBH being committed on somebody. I think it's you know it is actually yeah. uh, violent in that way, but uh, whether or not it's supposed to be, I mean, I actually don't understand. Uh, to be honest, I sat there, you know, at the end, thinking, "I'm not entirely sure it's the best title for it." <laughs> well, if you see what I mean. Yeah, Bleasdale says it's it actually stands for Great British Holiday. Oh right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Is that okay. in the interview? Yes, which I uh, also okay. endured and also pressed the status button on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is it a long interview? I didn't bother listening. To. Yes, it was over twenty minutes. And right. He called it Great British. That Holiday. made it up to the ten hours of your life. <laughs> yes. <right? laughs> and. He, his original plan was to write it as a novel and it was about right. this guy going on holiday. Yes. And I think the holiday eventually takes place in around about episode five or so where yes. Palin's family goes off on holiday. And that's what it was originally yes. about. And it's meant to be okay. a sort of like a joke about this is the British on holiday, but it's not that. So it's call- possibly that's what it's possibly that's why the the second half to me anyway the last three episodes feel a lot stronger or a lot. Put it this way. I watched the last three and I didn't have quite the same reaction at the end of every episode like oh god how many still to go kind of thing you know the last three i actually felt worked better as individual drafts it is it did feel in many ways like a series of separate plays that had all been bolted together into some kind of to make it an event if you like Mm -hmm. uh um yeah there, there were problems there were definite problems i mean i don't know is anybody Credited a script right, a script editor on this because no, I sometimes I feel that, I think that's a big issue, and I think the script editor was actually our friend Verity Lambert. I mean, she was right. an executive Ooh. producer, but, yes. And what, what she basically did, the, the anecdote is that she made Bleasdale take out two hundred and two hundred and fifty pages and one hundred and twenty scenes, and he Jesus, it, and he said it almost killed him to do it, but it was the right thing. Right. Well, my, my belief is she didn't take out nearly enough. <laughs> So you could, in fact, have been. We could have still only been halfway through. So we can at least thank Verity for that. But also, but yes. no, I can't forgive her for this. I really can't. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> One, your hero takes a fall. Yes. Yeah. Um, can we talk about mental health first up? Because that I think is uh, the most distressing, upsetting thing about the whole thing. It is a theme that runs through the entire series. So yes, it's probably it's probably worth. Yeah, uh, bring it up. Yeah. So the series delights in mocking mental health at every single turn, and that is, I think, why now at this point in 2020, that it is just not acceptable viewing because mm-hmm. it either makes fun of it or it shows people reacting to it badly mm-hmm. in such a way that just feels so anachronistic and so strange in the 21st century. That you think, what planet were we on then? What was it really like that? And maybe it was, but it was just horrendous on so many levels that I can't believe. The biggest problem for me, I'll let you talk in a moment, sorry. The biggest, no, no, it's fine. The biggest problem was, like, Michael Palin runs this special school that was repeatedly called a loony school. And yes. and at the end of episode one, it is the hired-in thugs, Michael Murray's hired thugs, come in and basically terrorise the kids in the school through the window. And yes. 
already disturbed children, making them even more disturbed. Fine. Yes. That's that's a point. That's a set piece. That's a dramatic decision. Mm-hmm. What is not acceptable is that Michael Palin's character is someone who loves these children, apparently, is that he keeps the school open for, we hear, nine months, subjected to this every day. These children are mm-hmm. subjected to this mental torture every day. Mm. And that is meant to be okay. And that's meant to be a good decision and meant to sit mm-hmm. correctly with his headmaster's personality, who is already himself mentally disturbed. I mean, what yes. the F? What is that saying? I mean, I just, I can't get past that. I mean, I, I imagine that the, the, the it was about the nobility, the noble. The character was supposed to be noble and was supposed to be giving them their opportunity despite the odds. I think that's probably that's probably the thinking behind it. But um, it's, which is it's to very, which is it, to ignore their experience and how horrendous yes. this could this could scar them for life. I I have a theory uh, with a lot of uh, uh, television is mm. that people seem to think that. Uh, by default, uh, other people's children are naturally charming to the viewer, um, and so if you are a parent, uh, you will you will watch this and you will feel empathy with the children because they are children. Oh, I don't think that's true because I've got a child and I never feel empathy for other children. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, well that's the thing. I think that's the theory. That's what I'm saying. I think it's the theory of of, of television executives, if you like. Hmm. Put a few kids on the screen, you know, in the same way that uh, you see it in advertising all the time. You know. So, so what, how does that? What's the? What's your point here in relation to GBH? Well, just in the sense of I think that they are they are basically trying to manipulate the viewer into siding with the Palin side of the argument because the, yeah, they see the children in distress. I'm not saying it's necessarily the best way of doing it, well, that's, that's, but I suspect that, that, that's the that's thinking behind it. it. But it misses the whole point. The whole yeah. plot point is that he keeps them mm. in that school for nine months being terrorised, which is well, just yes. abhorrent and inexcusable. <laughs> and, of course, the, the most charming of these children or the most needy of these children then gets killed. In episode two, the, for no in reason. Two, for no reason. Uh, well, the only reason <laughs> that serves... Yes, I, I, I is, would is argue, a plot it, point. Is that it basically means that the rest of the saviour role at the end of the, the yeah. drama can happen? Yes. Because the only reason he is saved is because of the loyalty of that child's family. But the child and dies horribly for no yeah. good reason and really violently. Yeah. I mean, you see his yes. bloodied feet, and mm. it's just, it's just all kinds of wrong. Robbie! Robbie! Oh, 
So, please, sir. Okay, Rob. Okay, Rob. I'm here. Someone's here, Rob. We'll get you home. Stay with me, Rob. Stay with me, boy. We'll get you home. Back to the mental health. The yes, sorry. <laughs> no, but the character who I really, really struggled with all the way through. And I yes. also thought she was the blandest actress I've ever, ever had the misfortune to see perform. Is okay. Dervla Molloy as, as Palin's wife in it, um, Laura Nelson. Mm. Who was so bland that halfway through we met a doctor's receptionist who I mm. thought was her. She was so bland. Right. I thought, is that his wife there in the reception? <laughs> because she was made so little impression on me that I thought that was the case. Do you think maybe that was the 120 scenes? <laughs> Honestly, though. They, they, they she, cut all her part, basically. All the way through, she is an appalling wife who constantly right. mocks Michael Palin for having mental health issues, for being in the cupboard again, gibbering. Yes. Um, there is there is a ho- quite horrible scene where him, his, his children are just mocking him. Yes, Mocking, just he's, been, at he's been trained yeah. to say to himself, keep calm, calm, calm. Yeah. And they're walking around and saying, calm, calm, calm. And his mum, yeah. his wife is laughing at him. Mm. They're laughing mm. at mental health all the way mm. through this. And it's just mm. not acceptable. I mean, I just actually think it's one of those dramas that actually, it's a bit like... Misjudges. It's, yeah. Well, not just that. It's a bit like Jim will fix it. You just can't watch mm. it now because the world <laughs> has moved on. We live in the country. Why do we want to go on holiday in the country? Your father needs... A beach. That's what he needs. Lots of surf and sand. And a disco. Correct. And a tennis court with a tennis coach with blonde hair. Now Bleach listen blonde. the sun and the wind and the sea. And ripply muscles. What? Your father needs peace and quiet, Mark. Lots of it. You can have mine. Now, come on. You've got a very short memory all of a sudden. Your father's... Cracking up, mother. Don't smile like that. It isn't funny. Come, 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 come. It's no laugh. <laughs> well, I'm going to watch the dog and then I've got to... What is the matter? Nothing. Anyway, I've got lunchtime appointment, Laura. You know, the, uh, the usual, so I'll take the car, then I'll be... Uh, I'll go see Martin after school. What is the matter? Do you, uh, do you want me to drive you there? No, no. I'm going to try to uh, have fun away. Uh... Oh, all right. Bye. That's, right. how, that's how strongly I feel about it. This, right. this whole scene, whole uh, one episode, the episode which has the mm. Doctor Who convention at the back as the backdrop in the mm. in the hotel, which is about how funny it is that Robert Lindsay's character is having a mental breakdown. Mm. So he also has a mental breakdown, and he's wandering around having this this nervous twitch in his eye and flinging his hand up like he's doing a Nazi salute because he's so breaking down as a person. And mm. we're meant to find it funny. Mm-hmm. It is not funny. It's distressing. It's disturbing. And everyone laughs. Everyone makes a joke of it. And it's just, what is this? What it's is this of, joke about mental health? It is kind of bizarre that, uh, again, uh, I mean, I know we've said this about other dramas, but but there seems to be a kind of U-turn. Uh, well, maybe not even halfway through. 
where it suddenly decides it's no longer a hard-hitting drama, but it's yes. become a farce. Yes, and, but, it, but it, and, it decides that so late in the game yeah. and doesn't stick with it. Sorry, come yeah. No, no, you're absolutely right. That's what I'm saying. It, it suddenly becomes... I actually... Uh, I mean, I know that the, the Doctor Who convention is one of the reasons why it's remembered at all yeah. as a series. Yeah. Because there's this scene with lots of you know people in costumes sort of in the background all being prats and oh ho ho isn't that funny yeah. but actually the uh, i there was a point in that where i genuinely thought that bleasdale was trying to rewrite faulty towers yeah he was actually thinking this is fault this is faulty towers now but i'm writing it so it's better yeah and his interview in his interview he said his favorite scene in the whole thing which made him and i quote howl with laughter was this mm-hmm. 30 minutes it takes for Robert Lindsay's character to to get some condoms, right? I mean, it's just so juvenile, so pathetic, so yeah, damning of his character in a way. I mean, yeah, yes. we all have sexual urges, and that's not the issue. It's more yeah. the fact that this is meant to be funny, and as you say, this mm. massively extended Faulty Towers episode about trying to get condoms mm. is what it felt like, mm. and it just—it's also wasn't uh, it's, funny. It's, no, I mean, I know we're four hours. Sorry, not four hours. Four years at that point from the "Don't Die of Ignorance" campaign, or maybe it's six years. You know, mm. but half a decade on from that, so maybe maybe at that point, you know, it's it's, it's difficult to try and put it in context of where Channel Four was at this stage because this yeah. is what about about eight years into Channel Four, and it was it was building a reputation with cinema verity and all this kind of thing as as the place for uh, cutting edge drama. Now, I would. Again, I, I, the other, when I say uh, Faulty Towers, the other thing that I think I kept writing down is that about six years earlier, Potter had been absolutely lauded for the singing detective. Right. It had swept the boards. Yes. And I think a lot of the structure of this, like the flashbacks. Yes. Very reminiscent. Goes back to singing detective uh, Potter structure. And, and also, like, and also, that he does some awards. I want awards. So he does singing at one point as well. The singing. Yes. Thirty-four yes. minutes into episode six, I wrote it down. Yes. And yeah. it serves no purpose. It's no. not what the drama is, and it suddenly thinks, no. "Oh, let's have these characters singing." Yes. And it's like, no, because this is not what this drama is. You're just trying to throw everything at it to try and get awards, mm. and it's just, it doesn't make any sense. But do and, you think he's just put putting the boot into Potter there as well? No, because I, I would I would think so if he was more intelligent, but he's not an no. intelligent enough okay. writer, is my opinion. Okay. But you could at least tell me where Joel and Mackenzie have gone. Gone in search of the three curses of mankind. Birth, death, marriage. From the village, hidden deep in the valley, one rainy morning, dark and grey, our soul winged its way to heaven. Jimmy Brown had passed away. Boom, 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 boom. Just a lonely bell was ringing in the little valley town. Twas farewell that it was singing. The opening titles mm. sum up everything that is wrong with this series. Oh, so many fonts. So many oh. fonts. Oh. Someone suddenly had a new tool where they can have fonts and do whatever mm. font they like in different sizes, different shapes, and do curly swirls mm. and all that sort of stuff. Everybody that, gets their own typeface. Yes. That, for me, sums up 
exactly what is wrong with this series. It's thematically mm. and stylistically all over the place. It doesn't know what it mm. wants to be, and the title sequence mm. says that in a nutshell. Yeah. Okay. No, no, you're absolutely right. It was funny. I mean, that's my, that's my main note for the opening of episode two is typography and fonts. It's <laughs> just like, what? To be fair, there's some nice fonts and there's some nice colours. But... But choose one! <laughs> choose one font! <laughs> oh, I got, I got, uh, I, I, in, in my job, I got, uh, I had a discussion with, with one of our uh, programmers, actually. Yeah. Because we were, bo- we were both, uh, we, we weren't, um, shall we say, terribly impressed by one of our managers, who yeah. was supposed to be our chief designer. Yeah. And, uh, and there was one uh, design he did where the fonts were all over the place. And me and this guy, who, who was a computer programmer and probably, you know, shouldn't really have an opinion on graphic design, yeah. <laughs> but everybody has an opinion on graphic design, yeah, of just said, he, he, just, he just stood there next to me and going, too many fonts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I'm thinking, well, if you've noticed. <laughs> yeah. Well, we shouldn't go into that either. No, no, no. But, well, I don't think we can pick up on the small things that are wrong when there's so many big things that are wrong with this. Well, again, I, I, I mean, I suppose uh, try and sort of wade our way through this uh, quagmire. Uh, but um, I mean, I, 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 I yeah, I, I mean, I'll tell you one thing. One, one of the mistakes I made, and I only just checked it this morning, so I knew I was wrong, yeah. is that I was convinced that Bleasdale had something to do with Brookside. <laughs> No, you're thinking of because Phil there's, Redmond. There's, there's a segment, yes, precisely. But there's a segment in it that's so soap opery. Right, what's know, that? It bit? felt just like it had to be one thing on top of another thing, top of another thing, and it was family, you know. And I just felt, oh, it's, it's he's rewriting Brookside as well. He's rewriting all of television in this, <laughs> in his own image. Right. Uh, so, like I say, we've got Dennis Potter, we've got Faulty Towers, and we've got Brookie. Yeah. Right. You know, so, but, what, what soap opera element are you talking about? I, I was. I don't. I, I'm trying to find the note. I'm, I'm desperately sort of whizzing through here because right. I, I, I say I was convinced it was very. I think it's the bit where the family go to the uh, hotel at the, oh. the beach, actually. So, but yeah. Now, but you see, I would think you see that there is. I mean, my first note on the top of the first page. Yeah. Here is about uh, this sentimentalizing, romanticizing of Liverpool, the poor, and poverty. Right. Uh, that seems to be a thread. Uh, again, you've—I suppose—if you're taking the, the leap from um, from uh, Boys from the Black stuff, yeah, you know, and Scully, and I mean, but this is the man. He also wrote the screenplay for the Monocle Mutineer, you know, right? <laughs> Which I've now never, I don't I've know whether you've seen that. Actually, I've never seen no. it. No, but this is it. These these are really sort of high, you know, high highly thought of yeah. set of dramas. Um, and like I say, then, then for some reason, uh, after his follow-up to this, which is Jake's Progress, which yeah. features many of the same cast, right. we're not going to watch it. I know we've got a letter J coming soon. <laughs> we are not. <laughs> but wild horses. <laughs> <laughs> um, but J- Jake's Progress, I also did what well, I think had it on tape for years. Right. Uh, I've never rewatched it. Right. But uh, maybe it was the fact that he wanted um, Julie Walters to play her own age for once. Right. Um, because... Uh, again, if you if you go through this, I, it crossed my mind. The only the only reason that uh, Julie Walters has to play old is so she can play the young mother. Yes. Yeah. And that's that's the only reason she has to play this uh, Irish caricature. Yeah. But let me say yeah, but, that is one yeah. of the few things I've got a tick against. I do. Like, oh, okay. I do like Julie Walters' performance. Um, yeah. I always okay. like her in everything, though. I mean, I don't like her as a person particularly from what I've seen of interviews, but I do like her as an actress. And I yes. think that she 
steals every scene she's in and mm. she's wonderful as that character but she'd done it so many times mm. in a victoria would have seen on tv it wasn't new at that point but yes. one of my only lines i did like was when she's in the back of that car going to the seaside she's like i don't like the sea myself all that water and your uncle michael just the same if he'd the sea in his back garden all he'd do was draw the curtains i like that and right. I'm trying to be constructive and tell you the things that I like as well as all no, no, the sways of things that I didn't they like. Are there. <laughs> Her character definitely uh, is, is, is very much the sort of the Irish mother caricature in the sense it's written in that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, so what you get at the opening, what you get, basically an old-fashioned headmaster is making his nice cup of tea. Uh, and it Can must, I just it stop be... you there to say, I am not yeah. going through this episode by episode because i no, will no, no, stab no, no, myself no. in the chest before you carry on no, i'm just trying I'm, I'm just trying to give you time because you said something from right from the beginning but um but the uh what i'm saying is you get this this moment where he, yeah. there he is the massive basically he's i presume he's only just taken over at this point i literally don't know but he comes in and he's basically running roughshod over the entire education department of this uh, yes. city i mean Will, william gaunt does a nice little cameo mm -hmm. uh, about dignity Right at the beginning, yeah. Uh, uh, but this this headmaster basically gets uh, he gets his revenge on this head, headmaster who who is the person he blames for all the problems in his life, and and you are also at this point uh, introduced to a lot of nasty racists. You get the first twitch, and you get Palin, and you get Palin being all noble and blah blah blah, and sinister people like uh, Mr. Barnes, is it Mr. Barnes? The uh, I'm trying to find the character name on my list here. Is he? Uh, is he? Tom Georgeson. Oh, Tom Georgeson. He's so evil in this. It's horrible. His character is so oh. vile. Yeah. Well, he is the ultimately the uh, yeah. the ringmaster, isn't he? Yeah. You know. Although again, you get um, what's his name? William Franklin, playing some kind of shadowy spy master who at some point lands in a helicopter. Just... I don't remember that. I might have been nodding oh, it, at that point. It, it's when they're raiding. Uh, well, it, when they're raiding the house when they're away on holiday, mm. and and they, they land the helicopter in a field, uh, and out and out pops the guy from the Master Spice. Right. Uh, and you kind of think, yeah, he's just having his James Bond moment. It's it's all of a sudden. So now he's rewriting Bond. As oh, well. Honestly, he doesn't know what he fucking wants. I mean, going back to that stylistic thing, I just want to mention about mm. the music, the the incidental music. Mm. It moves between tragedy and farce and everything all the mm. time. And there's one scene which I found horrendous, which is when they, the kid has got the car and he's driving away from the seaside to get away from the seaside. And oh yeah, and they, oh, with the hat on. And the thugs attack the police car. Mm. And this is accompanied by plinky plonk sitcom incidental music, like we're meant yeah. to find it funny. Again, yeah. I was like, what? What are you doing? What are you saying here? What is this drama, and what are you saying mm. about this incident, which is horrific? Mm. And I just, I just don't get it. I just don't get what he was trying to say, and I don't think he knows, other than thinking he's intelligent.
And it's one of those things where you're supposed to either think, ooh, that bad, or you think, oh, God, people will see that on the telly and do it. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I struggle. I personally, nowadays, I mean, maybe I've, I've just got a lot older, but I struggle with any violence on television at all now. I, I, I really don't, um, I don't I, like it. I don't. You know, I feel uncomfortable. Right. I, I, I mean, if it's, if it serves a purpose, then I'm okay. I mean, mm. I'm fine with Game of Thrones, and there's a lot of violence in that. It's, it's, mm. it's more that if you're trying to say something clever and it is genuinely clever, then fine. But nothing mm. about this was intelligent or clever. Mm. Nothing about this made me think, oh, yeah. Mm. It was just... Game of Thrones begins with G, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what so, what should we talk about now? <laughs> no, actually, I've, never, I've only ever seen the first six episodes of Game of Thrones, he said, as an aside. Okay. Can I give because you... Because yeah. it didn't work for me, but there okay. we go. Can I give you some examples of some of the awful writing? Because I feel mm-hmm. like, I, rather than just saying it's awful, I want to give examples. Yep. So, here we go. So... At the start of episode three, there is a jogging scene in which Michael Murray and his friends jog through a park saying fuck, fuck, fuck. And any minority person they can think of, they say Mm -hmm. fuck, fuck, fuck gay people, fuck, fuck, fuck women, fuck, fuck, fuck black people. And it is hands down the worst thing I've ever seen on my television screen. And we're going to use it for the trailer now. <laughs> and I just like... Uh, Andy says... <laughs> you're meant to think it's funny. No. Yes, I know. Obviously, you're meant to judge these people for it. But yes. there's an element whereby you think some people watching at the time would think, yeah, fuck all those minorities. Mm. I'm a white middle class man. It's not questioned, is it? That's No, the it's, and it's not, not questioned. questioned. And then you even have a joke at the end when he gets to the car and his brother, mm. who's his driver, says, fuck. And he said, oh, don't swear. And that's, mm. and that's meant to be the hey, payoff. mouth. That's yeah. meant to be the payoff. And it's not a payoff. Yeah. No. Oh, I mean, I'm just like mm. episode three. I felt uncomfortable and sick to my stomach all the way through because of having seen that. So, <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm just maybe I'm just one of these snowflakes. Maybe I'm a liberal libtard snowflake, but I just cannot deal with that. <laughs> it's just. Give me what I want to hear. Fuck Jim Nelson. Fuck Jim Nelson. Who the fuck? Who the fuck? Who the fuck? minutes of in inverted commas jokes and then they go then they go after and then they go after the sort of food after a health joke and they go for this big yeah truck stop meal yeah uh and that i think is supposed to be satire right okay i think i don't i mean you could i mean i've got again i've also written down toxic masculinity you know yes and, and basically it's it's all that entire sequence is all for the a mouth joke Yes, it that's, is. That's it. That's it. That's the only reason it's there. And it's it's yeah. eight minutes. But unfortunately, yes. for some people, that would be something like, "Oh, I can get on board with that," saying mm. "fuck" to everyone. Yeah. And yeah. But you see, you've got you've got things like um, 
the fact that the hotel room is room 69 ho ho oh i know i saw yeah. i only spotted that at the last episode and i was like yeah. oh that's meant to be a joke isn't it 69 ha yeah. ha 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 mm-hmm. it's do you like think sometimes jokes you have when you're a 15 year old you know it's yeah like... but do you think television is such a bubble now or television production maybe that people they just they they you know they just have jokes in jokes for themselves now and, and someone thinks it'll be funnier. It'll be funnier if we put this number on the door. Or do you think that's in the script? I, you know, I, I actually just think that it's perhaps unfair to mm-hmm. review something like this now and expect mm. it to come up. But then it's not because, like, we mm. watched Fortunes of War before this, and we watched Edge mm. of Darkness before that, and yes. Doom Watch before that, and there was very little that offended me in any of those mm. things whatsoever. Okay, mm. you know what I mean. It, the other, you see, the other thing that strikes me, uh, and again, I, th- this is just a thought in the middle of uh, in episode three, you get a very much a riff on Bogart and Bacall, right? Very, and uh, which which then uh, actually, uh, it's I think it's name checked as Casablanca later. You know, there's right. this very much, there's this very much uh, the mention of it, and you just think how much better would Plato have written a <gasps> scene well, that was supposed to this be riffing? Is the thing. No, I think this is on. I would love to say, oh. to be fair to Alan Bleasdale and say, we've just watched the most glorious Alan, Bla- Alan Plater drama that I think there is, which is Fortunes mm. of War. And mm. all Alan Plater is about is giving the characters room to breathe, taking text away in order mm. that characters can flourish on very little dialogue. And mm. you, you understand them completely. I understood all of those characters in Fortunes of War. I didn't understand anyone here because they were given far too much dialogue. And they were, did not give him the space to breathe as characters. It's a, it's interesting actually to compare and contrast because they're both seven part dra- dramas, yes. from more or less the same era. Yeah, you know, so uh, yeah, a few years apart, yeah. and yet this yeah. is just in terms of characters. I mean, mm. I'm tra- the only character who I vaguely thought was okay was the Julie Walters character, and she was a caricature, as mm. you said. Mm. There was two characters. There's also, there's also, I mean, the fact that uh, Fortunes of War tells everything in around about fifty five minutes for its each of its seven episodes. Yeah. And the, these are all around about the hour 20. There's one that's an hour and 30. Honestly. Episode three, your favourite, is an hour and 32 oh, honestly, minutes. Honestly, I was losing the will to live. <laughs> and it also included a scene which, again, another unforgivable scene. Now, Bleasdale tells, tells in the interview that this scene happened to him, and I can't believe it can have done because it was so exaggerated that I can't believe it happened. Is this the nude poet? No, it's the, oh, it's the okay. doctor taking all his clothes oh. off and... Because Bleasdale oh, apparently right. was a hypochondriac. And right. this scene has Michael Penn's character, Jim Nelson, going to the doctor. It's been summoned to the doctors mm-hmm. just so the doctor can actually abuse him mentally while he's got mental health issues and hits him square in the head at the end of the scene. And the scene, and you're meant to find it funny. The joke being he's got hypochondria he's gone to him with all these mental health issues all the time and this doctor has never given him any time just abuses him in the earlier episodes and he finally discovers that he has cancer and he uses this opportunity the doctor has cancer yeah, the doctor has yeah. cancer he uses this opportunity to shout at Michael Palin's character and make him feel bad for the fact that he's got mental health issues because he's actually got a real issue and he wants to share this with him in this moment now that doctor no question should have just been struck off there and then and should have been reported to the police for hitting one of his patients. There's nothing, yes. there's no more to it than that. And it's not no. funny. It's vile. No. 
And this doctor yeah. has already abused him. This is John Shrapnel, by the way. Isn't right. John Shrapnel played? I think it is John Shrapnel, isn't and it? And the abuse of that scene. Yeah. And also there's homoerotic overtones of that scene, which are not good either, because they're implying that he's wanting to, him to... Mm. Because he's taking his clothes off as he's showing him he's got cancer. Eventually he shows that he's, you know, he's pressing his yes. stomach. And you're meant mm. to think it's funny that this doctor's mm. taking his clothes off and Michael Palin thinks he's going to have this hom- homosexual encounter that he doesn't want to have, Indeed. which is also anti-gay. So mm. on all of these different levels, that scene was so problematic for me <laughs> mm. that I was just shrinking, shrinking yes. inside. And again, this mockery of mental health, which seems to be mm. one of the just main elements of this drama mm. that I just cannot accept. I have a pair of underpants just like those at home, Paisley pattern. My eldest daughter bought them for me for Christmas. You are an asshole, Mr. Nelson. Well, not quite. Not the word that springs to my mind. But to change the subject, Doctor, have you noticed that whenever you get angry, your Scottish accent becomes more distinct? Come closer. I can't. Come, come, come. Bend over. There you are. Glaswegian, Dr. Jacobs. Did you hear it? Bend over and examine me. With my hands? Indeed. Can't I just use my eyes? I've very good eyesight. There. Do you feel that, Mr. Nelson? It's a lump, Doctor. Small lump. It's very good. Do you know what that means, Mr. Nelson? It means that almost conclusively, I am dying. Me. Not you. But me. You see, I thought you were referring to the, the bit where where he's the, the naked poet is seducing or has seduced his student. Oh no, that is that is another thing. Now this and I did I did wonder whether that was just a bit of wish fulfillment from from, from a writer. Yeah. So so this is Michael Angelis, um, who yes. is wasn't he Lucian in Liverpool? He was. Yes, yes. Who I always yes. liked in that. He was always kind of that lovely mm-hmm. Liverpudlian sort of like laid back. Yeah. 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 And I every time these characters appeared I kept writing down who are they and why should I care Martin, yes. Martin I think he was called and his wife Diane and they were both there as the sounding board to the Palin yes uh, but character, they were, the Palin family character, but they were character. just so poorly served and poorly written and they're both good actors Michael Angelis and is it Julia St John is it, it is yeah, yes from British Empire and mm-hmm. the horrifying thing about this character is he's one of these he's, yes this wishful film he's just this leery lecturer english literature mm. english lecturer who um gets off with mandy mealing i think it is isn't it mm-hmm. um and having sex with whoever he wants is the is the idea in really mm. long scenes not the sex but the talking afterwards mm. and you're meant to be like oh go on my son about it i think you're meant to think oh that's oh it's good that he gets his end away and then when his wife gets pregnant, pregnant, there's all yeah. this judgment about her. Yes. Oh, how can I accept this? How can I live with this? And it's mm. like, just because women get pregnant, mm. that's not. It's it's like that's that's 
I just can't. Oh, it's just, it's all <laughs> kinds of wrong. All kinds ah, of wrong. You're lost for words. Ah, you're lost for words. The, the sexism <laughs> of that it just horrified me that he has to sort of like, you have to feel sympathy for the fact that he has to deal with the fact that his wife's got pregnant. Oh, poor man. Oh, it's good of him that he ends up with her in the end. No! He's a fucking evil bastard. Because, ah. because he, well, and also he is, he is he is found to be impotent, isn't he? So he... Uh, yeah. He, uh, he, he, it can't possibly be his. That's the thing. And the joke there is that so his wife, of course, yes. dramatically has to be impossibly fertile and get pregnant and get pregnant immediately. He can yes. go fuck whoever he wants, and that's okay. Yes. You know, and that's that's well, the subtext that, of that. And it, I'm not and saying course, you, it, but I'm and, it, saying... and in and in the end, it becomes about fatherhood and ooh, you know, blah blah blah, and they get reconciled and all presumably live unhappily ever after. Yes. But, um, but uh, yeah, so that that arc, <laughs> arc. Don't call he, it an arc, Martin. It's much less no. than an arc. <laughs> but, for, for, but for a lot of it, he is he is basically there because he can drive over bridges. <laughs> yes. Now, honestly, can I say something about the bridges? So, please do. Michael yes. Palin's character, Jim Nelson, part of his mental um, situation, mental breakdown situation, is that he can't drive over bridges. Now. This is accentuated through lengthy sequences of crash zooms of bridges. But it felt like every 10 minutes, honestly, mm. that these bridges would come up. <laughs> oh, I've woken up again. Oh, <laughs> it's like, and it's just like, oh my God, no, stop it. This is just the most crushingly obvious direction. And mm. there should have been so many other ways is of showing it Robert, his mental disorder, Robert mental Butler, health disorder. Yeah. Robert Young. Robert Young. Yeah, so director Robert Young, I mean... He's responsible for some of the better Robin of Sherwood episodes. I did look, mm-hmm. Swords of Wayland and something else. But um, mm. he also did The Mad Death, which I had the misfortune of watching the first episode of recently, and it was utterly dreadful. But, um, <laughs> Not doing that for him. <laughs> well, I don't know. It might be funny. <laughs> but he's never really covered himself in glory as a director. No. And I do no. think it didn't surprise me to discover he wasn't a Lord director having now watched this. No. Presumably he didn't. He didn't get a BAFTA. No, strangely, <laughs> no. not even nominated. No. But the drama no. serial was nominated for a best oh, okay. drama no. serial. Can no. I tell you more about writing? I didn't like more writing. I didn't like. No, or the the rioting. No, right, uh, I did. I did. I, I did wonder whether we should get onto the thugs. We will no, get onto the, the writing. Minute. Yes. So <laughs> at one point, his wife has this speech with him that you meant to find comforting and you meant to think oh she is nice oh she does cow she's so good she's such a saint which is mm. what please they'll watch you to think i thought she was mm. a sanctimonious prig by the way <laughs> but, one point she says to jim nelson to her husband you've only got me left to hide in Ooh. what what sort of dialogue is that you've only got me left to hide in what? <laughs> and then she starts shouting at him again because that's what you do with a husband who has mental health issues. You shout at them regularly, apparently. Mm. That's how you get drunk. Um, <laughs> it might explain the mental health Okay, let's get on to um, Michael Murray talking to the um, people of colour in the town hall. Don't, oh, don't be a hot bull. Find out. If you become a hot bull, you'll find out what mm. bullshit really is. Mm. Who talks like this? Who says words like this? What if I was black and you were white, eh? What kind of bastard would you be to me? If you were me and I was you... Oh, anyone in from sanitation? (laughs) 
bullshitter before. Or maybe I am. But don't you be a young bull. Don't you be a hot-headed young bull. Any of you. Because that's when you'll find out what bullshit really is. And where it comes from. Then Michael Palin in the end in the bog with Michael right. Murray and he oh, says yes. to Michael Murray, a toilet in a toilet. And they were meant to think this is good scripting. Now maybe if I'd gone in there I would have said no it would be funny if you said he's a shite in a toilet but you say he's a toilet in a toilet. Yes. What sort it would of... Be a, it would be a meme now wouldn't it? But what no. sort <laughs> of writing is that? Yeah. I just... Well it's a meme. Yeah. Um... And the worst writing in episode seven is, oh. is well, no, that's, it, it's probably a, a toss up between lots of different words. But um, okay. the one I'm going to pick out is when Michael Angelis' character starts having this joke, joke, inverted commas, about how mm. all these different people who aren't related, but who look differently and um, mm. look different to each other, but are, he thinks they are related just for the purpose of this scene, like Billie Jean King and Martin Luther King. And oh, right. it's just, yeah. it's not funny. No. It's lazy. And it's embarrassing. And don't forget, the child doesn't always bear any resemblance to its father. And think of all the people you know who don't look anything like either of their parents. Doris Day and Robin Day, Agatha Christie and Linford Christie, Thora Heard and Douglas Heard, Martin Luther King and Billie Jean King. I've even scratched the surface here. <laughs> I haven't even scratched this effing No, no, no. So. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is going well, everybody. (laughs) I am appalled and upset. The line in episode, I can tell from the blue colour of my person, this is episode four. Oh, crikey, you're colour-coded. Oh, yeah. There was... My anger is (laughs) colour-coded. I shall... (laughs) There was a line from the thugs in the back of the transit. That was joking oh, yes. about limousines oh. and transits, but it didn't right. make sense because it should have been no. Porsches, not or something else posh, not transits. And it was just, yeah. again, so many examples of poor writing that made no sense. Well, there is there is a, a, a definite. Uh, I always think there's a slight problem, uh, and I, again, it's part, probably part of the nature of these things. But when when uh, actors are act, asked to play common. Yes. thuggish they some their, their actor roots still sometimes come through so it, it feels actually more patronizing i mean some of these people they wouldn't sit there and chat they just start hitting each other basically you know yeah uh, i mean there's a, the, the the actual i mean it's again you, you've got this the thread through this is um what's his name uh who plays peter what's his name oh the, yeah the guy was scully yes him um yeah, him. I can't. I can't find this. <laughs> yeah. Can't find. Oh, Andrew Schofield. Yeah, Andrew Schofield is Peter, uh-huh. who is who is the the rabble rouser, the chief yeah. thug, but actually turns out to be a sort of posh spy, really. But he's a psychopath as well, because he actually enjoys uh, seeing the violence. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Although he also is disgusted by by them, you know. So you've got him uh, basically bringing together a group of 
the worst kind of yeah. uh, thugs to go around beating people up, GBH, yeah. and uh, then disguised as policemen uh, to beat people up and to be seen as policemen yeah. to beat people up so that the riots that are inevitable will happen. Okay. Now, so, uh, he, so what uh, is he... the purpose of this? This is what I want to understand because I still don't understand. Why well, is this the central plot of this story? Well, the theory is that the, the establishment, the status quo, the people who want things to stay the same, don't like this socialist city mm-hmm. and they want to they want to bring it down by itself so they can presumably step in and bring Control back it. save the day okay. with a with a more law and order policy i might imagine that's basically the gist of of what they're planning right this is all rather undermined uh at the end because they are by a fluke in many ways they are found out yeah uh because a recording that shouldn't have been made gets made yeah so they all all get to do that their thwarted villain thing and snap their pencils. Yeah, that was embarrassing, wasn't it, when he did that? Oh, <laughs> when he no! hit the car door. Yeah, it was like, oh, yes. really? Okay. And and so we assume that uh, the truth will out, which of course we know it won't, yeah. because we live in the real world. <laughs> and I think that you've hit the nail on the head there. The real world. This at no time felt like the real world. Well, I imagine that again. Funnily enough, nowadays they would see it. People would say, "Oh, it's it's." I mean, well, no, you wouldn't be able to show it nowadays. But they would see it as a, a veiled uh, thing on. Is it Tommy? Tommy? What's that? What Tommy Horrible and his cronies? Right. Yeah. Uh, you would you would see perhaps Peter as the perhaps as the Tommy Robinson character, but I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe maybe that that probably is one of the you know maybe you know to a certain extent 30 years ago there was a prescience that these people i mean you could argue a lot of the recent problems that the labor party has had is because of the the rebirth of this kind of extreme left-wing bullying yeah i'm not saying that is necessarily the case but you would imagine that there would be parallels with that now people would say oh well this is what happens if this kind of thing is left unchecked and allowed yeah. but the also the inference is always patronizingly enough that this is always being the strings are being pulled by the right yes yes and 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 exactly. that's the the subliminal message that we're getting here that all of the the horror stories all of the badness in the world is still pulled by them but it's so buried in this convoluted plot i don't think you're actually hitting the mark what no, you're doing you're not. this exactly. is damaging socialism yes that's all he's doing and he's too thick to see that as a writer mm. and and that's just an odd decision i mean it's really odd that he decides to effectively base and um, the michael murray character on Derek hatton and yes. and as soon as i watched episode one i was like oh he's Derek hatton isn't he because i you know yes. i'm old enough to, to know who Derek hatton is and about the and it's the right it's sort of era yes so I, I worked that out and I had to explain to Marisa who Derek Hatton was. <laughs> and I realised I, realized I knew very little other than he was... I'm so old! Yes, exactly. Other than the fact that he was shiny suits and he was deputy leader of the Liverpool City Council and he mm. got money off the Tories when he shouldn't have for Liverpool. And that's all I could say. Mm. But um, mm. the, the interesting thing of having made that choice to make Michael Murray Derek Hatton in all but name, but then... Mm change direction with the character and actually make him a character who has a redemptive cycle so at the end Mm. you actually start to care about Michael Murray is a really Mm. weird off the wall choice for Andy Well this is the this is the this is the trying to make it interesting by unpeeling in a Dennis Potter way. Yes. I think but if you've got a chipping away at the you know peeling away at the onion if you like. But if you've got a character who you on record are saying you hate Derek Hatton, which he is 
And mm. then you spend all your energy trying to tell people that your character isn't Derek Hatton because he's something more mm. interesting and special than that. Don't base him mm. on Derek Hatton then. No. And which is what he did. And he's like, he's stuck in this problem, mm. this actual narrative problem and mm. an outside of the series problem and how he has to defend his series because mm. he chooses to base this character on someone who he despises. And yet he yeah. gives this character a redemptive cycle. Because I, yeah. I would say in the end, I did start to feel sympathy for Michael Murray at the end, and you're meant to. I I think, and again, this may be a radical take on the whole thing, yeah. that I get the feeling that episode one is a standalone play. Okay. And in, its, in and of itself, about a rise of power and the abuse of power, and as an as a one-off drama, it it's it it is as I as I said it's brutal as a watch, and it has lots of flaws. But actually, as a as a single drama, it would have kind of worked, right? Okay. They would have had obviously, and I actually think that through the seven episode arc, he forgets about Michael Palin's character. He doesn't oh, know what to do. Totally. With him. He has no idea what to and do with him. He's it's like the, the actual character. The actual character arc of Michael Palin really only is important to the plot in episodes one and two and episode seven. Yes. And the rest of the time... And for he's four episodes, yeah. treading water. And we're just watching these scenes in which we're treading water with him for so long. And yeah. either it's he's being mocked for his mental health or yeah. he's having mental health episodes. And that is just... Maybe they were given to him just to have the character have something to do. Oh, that'll make him interesting for a yeah. while. We'll, well watch his breakdown. And I think they gave him more because of what happened behind the scenes. So do you know the story mm. about behind the scenes? I, I literally haven't seen the interview. Okay. So, so the story is that Alan Bleasdale wrote the part of Michael Murray for Robert Lindsay. And yeah. he always wanted him to play it. And then yeah. he rang at Robert Lindsay from Verity Lambert's office. And she said, look, you've just mm. got to go and do it. You've written it for him. Just bloody her phone in, in, in the Verity way, yeah. you know. So yeah. do it. So she. So, so you, <laughs> have a fact. Yes, do it. Do it. Um, I don't know uh, why she's. I don't know why she's suddenly broad cockney. <laughs> do it. Cockney piss. Cockney vinegar. <laughs> Leave it out. <laughs> Leave it out. <laughs> Get your trousers on. Your nick. Um, yes, anyway, absolutely. Um, yeah. So he he phoned yes. him, and Robert Lindsay said, "Yes, I'd love to do it," and he agrees to do it, and then. Yes. He says, but I can't because I'm in a new play in the West End, which I've just signed for, called The Count of Monte Cristo. Fair um, enough. So then Alan Bleasdale starts again, massive cast search for his Michael Murray, this amazing character. Mm. And he finds mm. Michael Palin and he gives him the part. Right. And okay. then Robert Lindsay phones him up and said, oh, yeah, The Count of Monte Cristo thing, it's been cancelled. It's not happening. And like, I can do it now. And then he's like, like, oh, but, oh, no, I'm persuaded Michael mm. Palin to do this part. So then mm. he had to take them out to tea. Um, mm. Makes sounds very northern. Take them out for tea. Aye. Tea and a bap. And... Aye. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, well, they're all to, northern lads. He has yes. to negotiate <laughs> that they switch characters. So right. because he was going to bring in Lindsay as as Jim Nelson um, because he'd already okay. promised Palin Michael Murray. So then he had to switch mm. them. And I think what happened, although it wasn't said in the interview, is that he then re subsequently brought up Michael Palin's character of Jim Nelson, gave him more to do, right. so that Michael mm. Palin wouldn't be fucked off for the fact right. that he wasn't playing Michael Murray, which is the part yeah. in it. So I think that's part of the okay. difficult 
background history of this drama, which is why he has nothing to do and why he couldn't have And why they both have to get the bottoms out every opportunity. Honestly, but this is the thing about Michael Palin. I don't need to see his bottom all the time. I really don't. And it's just... No, even even 30 years ago when it was presumably relatively pert. It's just like, you just know that Michael Palin loved doing that as well. You just get the sense and it's just like, okay, it's not Mm. clever. It's just Mm. boring. Mm. Bored of Michael Palin's backside. That's what I would call this episode title if we did titles like that. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yes, it's, all, all the episode titles are mostly about messages, but yes. <laughs> oh, God, the episode titles were awful. So, yes. basically, the episode titles mm. are, what are they? Message received, message sent, message understood. Sent. And... It's all that kind oh, of thing. It's just, what is that saying? What is that saying, Martin? I don't understand. Tell me. Um, well, yeah. Um, and over and out. That's the it says nothing. Um, no, not really. But uh, again, this is from the era when you've got to have different episode titles for every episode oh, so, to make it interesting. I've got another, creaking, I've got so. another slapstick cool. moment that I really enjoyed. It made me laugh so hard, i.e. Oh, I, it did it? didn't. Which mm. is when the car is stolen in the holiday pl- in the um, seaside location. And, oh, yes. And the, and the brother... Goes the visual out, gag. Does the visual gag, gag of getting into mm. a car that's been stolen and pretending to sit in the driving seat and move the driving wheel because he's so confused mm. that the car isn't there. I mean, mm. This is not fucking keeping up appearances, for God's sake. What the <laughs> heck are you doing? It's so misjudged that it's just... The interesting thing about that, to a certain extent, is his brother's storyline yeah. is awful. So, right, so let's, uh, let's, just, let's just summarise it. So the summary of that is that Frankie, his brother, we don't realise straight away that he's Michael Murray's... Older brother. Older brother, yeah. and he's a chauffeur until he can't take Michael Murray's horrendous arrogance anymore, and he snaps, <laughs> and he leaves him at the roadside, and mm. goes off on his own character arc, which is relentlessly depressing, and is meant to imp- imply that he should never have let his, left his brother's side because mm. he is no good on his own. And he goes mm. to get this job at the seaside where he works on a ship and he doesn't get enough money mm. and his family are upset and his family all mm. run away and leave him by driving mm. his car away. and Because he followed his dream. Because he followed his dream and he's punished for yes. that. What sort of yes. a message is that? What and of course the saying? final... Well, the other final scene that you see is with him and his mother sitting in her flat not answering the door. Yeah. Uh, so they are now... They've cut him off completely, you know. Yeah, but... Uh, so what I'm saying is the redemptive art, if you like, the man following his dream and then he's not even crushed, he doesn't come back, he just, he's, he, his story sort of stops with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, I, I just don't get it. It's just, no. oh wow, I don't even know where, um, to, where to go with any of this. Should I, should I, should I go well, through some of the things I liked, just to sort of try and be... Yeah, I think it's about time really. <laughs> okay, so I'll look for my ticks, they're hard to see. Um, okay. I was interested that Lindsay Duncan's character, Barbara... Did you like Lindsay Duncan in it? Um, no. Because we haven't really touched on no, her character No, so Lindsay Duncan plays the sister of the person who Michael Murray encountered when she was a kid. And Although you're, at first you're supposed to assume she's actually the the, yes, the, the child who abused him as a child. Yes. yes. And I just think, given the amount of scenes she had and the amount mm. of dialogue mm. that it could have been an awful lot better. I was astonished to discover she was nominated for Best Actress. I'm trying to think where she'd come from when she got this part, what she'd done before. 
because this is one of the you know key dramas yeah. of her I, career. I mean, next and year was Year in Provence, which was right. panned by the critics, wasn't it? But I, yeah. I never really minded her in that. I don't think I watched all of it because it was not the right age for me, really. But yeah. I'm trying to think what else. I'm, I'm sure I've seen her in things that I've liked her in. Mm. Possibly. Well, like, she did that. What? Well, she did that. Waters of Mars, didn't she? But that was. Oh nice. yeah, I'm not thinking about that though. Yeah, because I do think as an actress, I don't mind her. But in this, I thought she. I found her very cold and impassive and not really going with the material and a bit confused. Yeah, it, it's an odd thing. Um, she she kind of, again, it, 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 it's written as, oh, she's this mysterious figure from the past. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, and then oh, it's not really her, but it's her sister. And that's a big revelation because Eileen is actually dead. I mean, the whole thing about people with suicidal tendencies, we are not going to go near today quite frankly because it's already enough of of messing around with the mental health issues yes. as it is yeah, yeah. um but oh she was in spooks and things yeah, yeah. okay uh she must have been I'm in something else i really like though and i don't know what it is it's annoying me riley ace of spies she I, was never, in one? I never liked riley ace of spies mm. <laughs> editor's note andy was trying to think of the fantastic stephen polyakov drama shooting the past in which Lindsay Duncan plays the manager of a photographic archive, which is fighting for survival against some developers. She's in Jake's Progress. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's again that Jake's Progress is almost like a sequel. Oh, do you want to do that? No, you don't. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> do, you, do you basically, if you never see any Bleasdale again in your life, it'll be too soon. I'm afraid so. So what I was, what I was going to say about Lindsay Duncan's character is that I, I was interested by the fact that she comes to actually fall for Michael Murray despite herself yes. and she finds and there's a good scene good scene I said there's a good scene where she says she, no, well done. she found him more interesting than oh, she so I, I also than she maybe thought maybe he should would. be one of these <laughs> I don't know her though oh, no you've not met her no. sorry <laughs> rude um, <laughs> you were there with your bell ready ready to ring your bell okay let it's me just the, say let me just say Clifford Rose Clifford Rose <laughs> ring your bell go on have a go on <laughs> There we are. I was trying it's like Clifford Rose Bell. I'm Where trying to you? pretend that Clifford Rose was never in this. Um, he, well, he, he barely is. To I be know. Fair. He was. A we mo- thought he wasn't in uh, Fortunes of War much, but although I do think he was, it was a moment of class in episode seven where he did turn up, and I was slightly relieved at that. But no, the, the interesting <laughs> thing about Lindsay Duncan being interested in Michael Murray's character, and, and he's saying you're weak, and I hmm. love weak men. I thought that was a really interesting yes. thing yes. that needed more exploration why yes. did she love weak men what was that about that's, that's literally left to the last seven minutes of, yes. of 10 hours yes and and you kind of feel that would actually be the more interesting yes. place to start it really would because that in goes into stuff about her father mm. although and the relationship with i have sister. a big arrow pointing at this that basically says thinks it's profound <laughs> right yes Yes, 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 exactly. Because there's no inspiration for it. It doesn't come from anywhere else in the plot. So the reality is, it's just Alan Bleasdale trying to be clever again. Um, there was a horrible moment, though, with the sex, where she said to him at one point, be my little boy, she said. Oh. Oh, and then what's, it she, what's his name for his penis and all this kind of and thing? And I was like, oh. I wrote, so fucked up, exclamation mark. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, again, the 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 strange, the strange, her existence in the plot really is to not be her sister. 
Yes. Uh, if, if that, and when you get, I mean, the whole again, there's some very um, wobbly motivation. I mean, I mean, the flashback sequences for when uh, Michael Murray was a youngster. Yeah. When he gets horribly beaten by his school teacher, the whole thing with the hamsters and the fact that yeah. the, he has this best friend who's an older girl who is a sociopath. Yes. And and he's obsessed with Ruth Ellis for some yeah. bizarre. Oh well, maybe that will give it a touchstone reason. Yeah, uh, I mean it's the whole hanging thing and neck issue, I suppose. Yeah. But um, but he gets blamed for she tries. Well, she tries to get him to strangle her. Yeah. He doesn't want to do it, but he's found over her when she's unconscious, yeah. and he is blamed. Uh, and the teacher basically beats him. Oh, the teacher drags him away, and then later on in the year, she goes in and kills some hamsters and with some acid gets it's with some acid terrific. Which is massive yeah. <laughs> uh, which which he again gets blamed for but michael murray is quote saved by mr weller yes mr weller the school teacher because he loves his mother but can't articulate this because he only seems to know the language of poetry and yeah. the language of poetry doesn't quite fit with yeah. her and her lifestyle he's trapped by another narrative to... device <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> if you like, yeah. <laughs> you know. So, so his. I mean, the reason again, right at the beginning, there is uh, vengeance is taken out in him. It's presumably because Michael Murray is unaware that he w- wasn't institutionalized because of this school teacher's intervention. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but that wasn't noble because he was basically a. I know it's fifty school teaching, blah blah blah. But he beat him absolutely black and blue, which was horrific. <clears throat> yes, yeah. And you and to be fair, I mean, it, it, it's 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 not that graphic, but it's kind of is as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a very unpleasant scene, and and then in the end, it turns out uh, we find out that she was basically suicidal. She died uh, as a student in college, but uh, by her own hand, and her family have never really forgiven Michael Murray, even though it turns out because there's a massive MacGuffin of the file. That is burned in episode one, but the teacher has a copy. Again, this is the whole thing to keep this teacher in the plot. Yeah, you know who is because I mean, what's the whole scene where he hides in the toilets in the school? Oh, honestly, you know, what because is this? and you just and he's and he's he's hiding in the ladies' labs because he knows no one will go in there. Yeah. and then that's where Michael Murray goes. Something to do with his hair. Uh, <laughs> I know. This is so having issues with his it's hair. So awkwardly plotted. It's yeah. just like really. Yeah. Yeah. Although apparently Gene Anderson finds this hilarious. Oh, honestly, <laughs> Gene Anderson's character. I mean, what the heck was going on there? I mean, oh, something that's important. Before we do that, can we just go back to what you said about motivation and Lindsay Duncan's character? Yeah, her motivation yes. is so confusing. She's meant to yeah. carry on something for her dead sister. She yes. knows that he didn't kill her sister. No. Because she's alive still until yes. she goes to university. Yes. What is her revenge plot about? Well, again, I, I think, I mean, the somewhere in there, you, it's the fact that you probably think that she's grown up in a household where, uh, because she died, her, you know, she was pushed to replace her sister or her sister was the favourite. Right. Or, 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 and because the judge in the end is so cold towards her. Da, 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 da. Is the world the way you always told me it is? Is it? And... Do you know why my sister killed herself? Do you? When... When it happened, 
when she died. We said, we thought it might have been the incident with that terrible boy. You know the boy I mean. Strangulation at state school. Your mother's futile attempts at egalitarianism. But we said then that Eileen was never the same after that incident. But what if it wasn't his fault, Dada? How can you say that? How much proof do you want? The scarf, the burn marks? The headmaster witnessed it all. And it was you above all. You were beside yourself, Barbara. Lovely Clifford Rose. Ding. <laughs> Who? But, 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 but lo- lovely Clifford Rose. Lovely Mr. Kessler. Oh, he's always lovely. Always. <laughs> no, um, playing this very cold uh, and buttoned up judge yeah. who again has very strange judge issues <laughs> he just seems to want to put the world to rights in some bizarre um yeah maybe maybe mr bluesdale had problems with the legal system as well yeah. i don't know but um but uh, i mean he only really plays that one scene and it's basically where she rejects him finally yeah uh, it, must but, uh, it must be cold up there dada yes <sighs> yes that yes, everything sort <laughs> of, of course, everything's sort of an illusion or a metaphor. Well, she's always referred to as Barbar, isn't she? Uh, That's the thing about him, yeah. Barbar. So there's obviously this, you know, this thing of they're not allowed to grow up. She she went on to the same college, became very you know a few years later, but she wasn't as good as her sister, and ended up being basically. I I I, I don't. Would you say she was a, a prostitute for hire? In in the there early episodes, there, there was a sort of high class call girl feel to it. Certainly, yes, yeah. And the and fact I mean, that when, she was when quite she happy targets to, him. to to really cozy up to Weller in a creepy way. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was. I mean, I wasn't sure whether the, the sort of implication was that she was being paid to you know sleep with Michael Murray to do all this yeah. these things in, you know to actually manipulate him she was being paid to do that yeah. so she's 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 no saint but in the end um the idea of you know the her redemption but then of course she says goodbye yeah. and we assume they never meet again yeah but but having had this proxy but she is trying to save him because she is the one who advises him to t- make two recordings rather than one of uh, yeah. uh, Tom Georgian's character admitting, you know, with with the strange, is it, I think it's with the strange Paul Damon character, Paul Damon's character. Paul Damon's character is, is so weird. He's like Jeffrey Heard somehow, right? But he's so weird I, and odd, and it not. I don't understand I, his purpose. Is he's an extreme Mar- Is he extreme Marxist? So, is this, is I think this... so, maybe, but it's right. so odd because. Because he comes across as so right wing, but this is the whole thing about the previous generation have no longer got, you know, they're not strong enough. So we've got to have this new generation of thugs to come up mm. and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh. It's another character, another two characters I'd like to, okay, go for uh, it. to t- touch on. Just because, well, three actually, just because I've noticed another one on the list as well. But uh, Colin Douglas, you know, yeah, <laughs> just because he's Colin Douglas, but he's actually, you know, he's, he's not bad in this. Fam- fa- veteran family actor. at war, horror, Fang Rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and nanny, and so on. Yeah, yep, yeah, enemy of the world. Yep, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, generally speaking, uh, very much uh, one of those veteran actors who doesn't give a bad performance. In the same way that William uh, Gaunt in the first yeah. episode is actually very good. Yeah. Um, Re- reported, uh, sorry, because, reportedly, be- by the way, a real nightmare of an actor to work with. 
Well, yes, and maybe maybe that's you know we get the actors we deserve. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, the thing about Colin Douglas's character is he the first episode he's intimidated by the boys who smash up his office, yeah. but then he 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 says no, I'll send you a bus even if I have to drive it myself. So he's he is kind of the bluff old labour person who will stick by and you know, old-fashioned socialist yeah. values, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So he has a nice thread, and he's the one who actually chairs the meeting, which is supposed to be uh, Jim Nelson's downfall, but it's turned around because of basically more threatening behaviour by other people stops the threatening behaviour by the first Can we get into that before we get into these other characters you want to mention? This yeah, scene, sure. I, just, I, I just simply do not understand it. Why mm-hmm. are all the wives there when they're not usually there? At the start, well, I suppose it's votes and and saving seats as well. But but you know, why? I mean, but why are, are the, what are the men all doing there at the start? Why aren't the men, all the good men, not there at the start? Is yes, it only so the... narratively later on they can they turn can... up and save Palin? Is that the only reason? Yes. Well, that's just appalling writing. Because ultimately, you have the normal Labour Party meeting, which is a room. Uh, or, but they've all the women have gone in presumably uh, to save seats or whatever. But we don't know why. Uh, I mean, are they, are they down the pub? Their husbands? What are they doing yeah. together? Why do they all arrive in a truck together? Yeah. And everything seems normal, and then in come the threatening people, and we think, oh dear, it's all going to go wrong. And then they are they are all on the front row looking hard and horrible. Yeah. And then the the wives on the second row all move out so that the, the lads can come in so they're behind them and so they can be threatening. But It's visually probably very interesting. But, but why... plot-wise, plot it makes in, zero in world, sense. I'd... It makes no sense mm. at all. And also yeah. there's some everyday sexism thrown in at the start there because Colin Douglas' oh, yeah. character says about, oh, it's all the... Heaven help us having all these wives and women in front of oh, us. No. It's like, oh, okay, so only the male Labour people, voters count. Okay, good to know. Yes. And 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 of course, the, all this is really to give us the so that Jim can do the grandstanding. Yeah, and and the grandstanding is so effing pleased with itself, and Alan Bleasdale mm. is so wanking over the fact that he stood up there himself reading this mm. speech is what it's for, mm. and it's his plea for common decency, which is what he thinks the whole yeah. series is about. But the series yeah. isn't about common decency and that being taken no. away from people. It's about the manipulation of people towards violence. Yes. In every, and of course, and that's the, not what this. So that's what your yeah. series is about. It's not about. Um, I read a. I read a review saying it was a liberal, a liberal man's odyssey through the appalling farce of life in Great Britain today. Right. That describes someone else's another drama entirely. That doesn't describe this. I, I would think so. It's certainly it's an interpretation. I mean, maybe that was what was in the press release. I don't know. Maybe maybe the reviewer didn't have to actually. <laughs> Well, certainly that person didn't write watch it to write that. So, no, well, you 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 think not? No, I mean it's it's got a good joke in it. To be fair, uh, <laughs> what what's the joke? I can't remember now, but I, I seem to remember that, that uh, there's 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 that, you know what I'm saying is he charms the room with his joke, whatever it is, <sighs> you know, and and this this lowers the temperature but then you get this whole treatise on 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 his idea of socialism did you un- about did you, did you understand the thing about he's only read one book oh well yes i mean that was that was actually the bit that uh, that the, the the thing about read another i mean that's that's a perfectly decent message to have yes you know? but the problem was read- it was it was said it was declaimed 
to yes. the front row who are all thugs yeah. who would obviously never read a book. They're not there because they haven't yes. read books. They haven't read one book, let alone just no. one book. No. They haven't read anything. There is that scene... There is that scene in the van a couple of episodes earlier where somebody makes a... Is it Mark? Talks about Marxism. It's about Stal- the then... Stalinism. Yeah, Stalinism. And, and he gets kicked. And that's out of nowhere. Because he doesn't join in. Yeah, and it's just yeah. awful, that scene. Anyway, but... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Another scene that was awful. <laughs> we need a buzzer or something. Um, but... Yeah, I'll have to get the awful sequence buzzer. I'm, what I'm dreading for you... Is, how are you going to go through this for the quotes? Are you going to sit through it? I don't think I can. I just don't think I can. No. I, I may have to just no. have a quote this episode because I don't think I can watch much of this again. I might just no, I, I, I kind of scenes in. So, dear listener, I do hope you appreciate the effort I've gone to to actually edit this episode to include some scenes from GBH. Um, so, yeah, I obviously care about this drama podcast very much. Um, so, Bleasdale said this thing about they've only read one book. That was meant yes. to be aimed by Nelson's character at Michael Murray, but that's not how yes. it's, it's not how it's directed. No, it's, it's not, not how it's... it feels, and that would it's make that, the boys. that would make sense. Mm. But it doesn't make sense being aimed at people who can barely read and who are just there as thugs. It just mm. doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> and him and his wife are just so damn pleased with themselves by the end of the series. They're going along in their oh, car, well, and this, they say, oh, none of this is happening, it's not real, it's rotten from the top yeah. down, and sometimes it touches us, and it's all unbelievable, mm. and it's like, yeah, it is unbelievable, this version mm. of events is unbelievable, and you're well, if, so... If you read the, yeah. if, if you read the uh, Wikipedia uh, synopsis, which, which manages to get ten hours into about that six, seven paragraphs, yeah. the actual bit, it basically says, for the Nelsons look to the future, still ignorant of much of what has happened beyond their own immediate lives. Really? Which... That's what it says, and okay, maybe that's the person who writes on Wikipedia today, and maybe it'll change by tomorrow. It will if I have but, anything um, to do with it. <laughs> but so this well, Wikipedia basi- article, you know, they are they are um, you know they are basically looking at it purely from how it affected them. Um, it's possible, um, you know. I, 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 it's an interesting take. <laughs> Less than an hour ago, the Chief Constable issued a warrant for the arrest of Michael Murray on charges of incitement to riot and conspiracy to cause grievous bodily harm. Mr. Murray later made an emotional and incoherent... Of course, it's unbelievable, Jim. That's happening, and why shouldn't we believe it? No, it's not happening. None of this has happened to me. Picking some pillocks at the school gates, pieces of silver and broken windows, and... Filth through the letterbox, filth on the phone, the so-called thief at Woodlands. Policemen who weren't, the house being ransacked. No. But that's the way things are, Jim. Now we've let them become. Things are rotten, and they're rotten from the top down. Until finally the poison seeps down to the likes of us, and we get a taste of it. And then we begin to believe the unbelievable. I can't believe all of this, Laura. Only the bits I know. I don't think I'll ever be able to tell anybody the things I know because no one will believe me. Except you. Something else that's awful that I must comment comment on here is that the mental health... I'm sorry, I'm back on the mental health bandwagon. Oh, okay. And that is that suddenly Jim Nelson, Michael Penn's character, has this moment in Dr. Guldup's office where he suddenly is Mm. cured. 
And the message mm. is you can suddenly be cured of mental health. Yes. You can suddenly be a flicker switch and you're okay. Yeah. And she says well, I mean, she says you're okay now and he is and he can do anything he likes now. He has the big speech, the big speech of glory yeah. and the grandstanding and then mm-hmm. he can even travel over bridges at the end. Oh, he's gone over the bridge. Yeah, oh, what a wonderful yeah. metaphor at the end of the show. No, that course, is not as, what, as a yeah. as a psychiatrist, she also gives him the ammunition about um Michael Murray's hair issue. Yeah. Uh, which and mocks it. Yeah. You notice. Yes. But <laughs> People aren't. So, yeah. It's not a switch you turn off and on mental health. No, the lack no, of understanding about mental health and what people live through. I just thought it was so hmm. wrong that that is that yes. was their message. The, oh, now he's suddenly okay again. And the wife is like, hmm. "Yeah, it was really hard. Hmm. It was really hard supporting hmm. you for all of this, but now I'm glad you're hmm. okay now because now we can be happy." Yeah. Well, you didn't support hmm. him once. You shouted at him. You hmm. mocked him. You yeah. you had no patience for him, and now yeah. because he's suddenly okay, then your marriage is okay. Not okay. Are we are we assuming at the end of this he gets his job back, or or is he or is he moved on? I mean, there is actually a moment where the the two sinister guys look at him giving his speech, and you start to wonder whether they're thinking, oh, actually, you know, <laughs> he's our next puppet. I may be uh, overreading that. I don't know, oh. but um, but uh, you see. The other thing is that the final three episodes, which are, uh, like I say, I, I, I ended each one fi- not finding them quite so distasteful in my mind. I could, I could, oh, I could watch another one of those rather than... Um, but the final three, when they go to the holiday camp in Wales, mm. which is managed by Daniel Massey. Honestly, now, Mr. This, Grover. this character, I could not deal with this character at all. He is right. almost my least favourite character in the whole thing, but my least favourite character in the whole thing is actually the journalist, the horrendous-faced journalist, who every time I saw him, I just wrote down... Oh, Bubbles. I hate the journalist. I wrote, Every time I saw him, I felt yeah. compelled to write down that I hated him. Because he was mm. a bad Peter actor. Peter Hugo Daly. Bad actor. Yeah. Awful. Mm. Oh, anyway, sorry, go back to your... No, no, no. no it, I just, I'm just saying, because Daniel Massey is an enjoyable actor to watch, usually. Uh, uh, and they, again, but he has decided he's he's walked into a comedy. Yes. In episode five, and so he, and in many ways the um, the tweed and the flat cap thing or the barber barber hat he wears mm-hmm. is very much like the photographs you see of Basil Fawlty. Mm-hmm. So this is why I say it ah, suddenly yeah. decides that that the holiday camp. Uh, he, he's rude to all the guests. He doesn't like northerners, he, he, and he mocks them in a. <clears throat> quite unpleasant way and you kind of wonder I know he doesn't want the business and I know he's an old drunk and blah 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 but uh, and he is the one who witnesses uh, doesn't the episode end with Michael Palin naked in the bar yeah. and he finds this hilarious because oh, yeah, it's mental health yeah so we should laugh at mental health yeah. Um, yeah the worst scene in I mean apart from the effing jogging is yeah. 54 minutes into episode 6 um, ah, and I will play. Right. I'll play some of it in now, and it won't help anyone because it serves the scene serves no, no purpose at all. It's just okay. it's just to say, oh, these characters are a bit funny. He's Palin's out in the rain in his pajamas because he's had a mental episode, and we're meant to think it's right. funny. And yes. then he meets this character, Daniel Massey's character, mm. who is drunk, and mm. they just endlessly talk in the rain about nothing. Did you mm. did you understand anything that of what was said in that? You scene? see. 
so few of the scum class have ever played any real part in anything. Except for the occasional walk-on of the crowd scene, casualties and statistics. Some carnage coming up. Chaps, take cover and send for the rabble. I've got A-level history. But did your textbooks ever tell you how lucky you once were not to know, not to be remotely aware, not to understand anything, not to have anything, so that you wouldn't miss it when it's been taken away from you? Don't you regret losing that ignorance, Mr. Nelson? I don't think you believe one word of what you're saying, Mr. Gordon. So here you are, Mr. Nelson, risen from the rabble, slightly. When the opportunities and the prospects still seem available, when what passes for an education was free for the father and not just on loan, Pity about the 80s, wasn't it, Mr. Nelson, for the likes of your kind? Lights going out everywhere, dreams dying like winter following spring. Must be awful to be you, awful. To have a glimmering of understanding, to be vaguely aware of the almost complete lack of consequence and importance. What was all that scene about? Because it went on um... forever. <sighs> It's, it's, I suppose, uh, no, I'm not clue, actually. I mean, I did think it was, it it was, it was basically there to, to be a funny scene. But it wasn't. Uh, uh, Well, I mean, that was, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) whether you found it funny or not, there was, there was this, there was this, um, I mean, there's, there are a lot of, uh, funny enough, one of my notes for episode six is some speeches hidden in plain sight. And I just wrote two hidden. But, um, But um, I mean, this this whole thing about him because he he wants his his umbrella to be struck by lightning, so he has a death wish. Blah blah. Mm. And Michael Palin's out, woken up naked in the rain or whatever it is. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I haven't really got much else to say about. He, doesn't, he just doesn't fit. Um, mm. I also want to talk about Jimmy Mulville. So yeah, but that was the other character okay. I was going to mention the the uh, the Philip the. Um, the researcher. Yes, he doesn't yeah. even have a name, does he? Oh, he does. He's called Philip. He, he does in later episodes. Yeah. He's Philip, but, but in the opening episode, he's just researcher. Also, so he's researching yeah. for Michael Murray. Michael Murray's got some info on him, so he can send him off. And he goes off with this this woman prostitute. Who yes, who was thick, but he he likes uh, Sylvia. Yes, yes. and mm. two things that I don't understand. Help me with them. Number one is that she suddenly she suddenly flips out at the end and suddenly has a brain and gets angry with him when she's never had a brain before that moment. Makes no sense. Number two, at the end, that Jimmy Mulville is sat, Mulville is sat there crying after he's told Michael Murray the truth. He's not being coerced by these people. He's, he's kidnapped by these people in order to tell Michael Murray something he was going to tell them anyway. <laughs> what was that about? Yes. Can yeah, you explain it to me? Uh, I don't understand. Um, Why was he crying? No, I, Why was that against his will when it was exactly what he'd been required to do? What? It's. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just he it, it, it realised that it's supposed to have realised the truth. I mean, there isn't a script book for this. So. Honestly, but uh, for me, uh, it, it, this doesn't. He's been minute. Do you know why I feel uncomfortable doing this podcast about this drama? Is that it doesn't. Feel, it on. doesn't feel comfortable because it's like shooting fish in a barrel. 
It's so <laughs> appallingly bad that it's so easy to tear it down. To find something else. To burn it with fire. That it's yeah. just, well, I just don't get it. I just don't get how no. it even, how it's got the reputation it is, has, how it got how many hours it did, how it got no. accolades. Yes. I'm, I'm just thinking, because I've got obviously seven pages of notes on this plus other things, yeah. and I'm looking at it thinking, can I just pick a random word and go, and we could find something awful to say yes. about that. It's, it, it's probably very true. Um, Jimmy Mulville's character is weird because he he's he's obviously cheated on his wife yeah. uh, with this prostitute before because that seems to be the way things get done in Michael Murray's city. Yeah, you know, you uh, you give somebody something and then they because he records you uh, in in room sixty nine ho ho, <clears throat> you know, yeah. you are then Titter. you can then blackmail yeah. you, and so and Jimmy Mulville's character. Um, then basically, he only appears namelessly in the first. This is why I say the first episode feels like a one-off play. And then, but then later we pick up this thread. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I'll say thread. <laughs> <laughs> Generous. <clears throat> but um, but <laughs> but then uh, so he and he sort of goes, oh well, can you get me the same girl who he then seems to form a bond with? So they go round the country. Uh, forgetting he seems to have a wife who's presumably asking all the time where he is and he goes around the country trying to find the, uh, both the Eileen Critchley character, you know, the background yeah. which which to be fair shouldn't have been that difficult to find out uh, if you were a researcher <laughs> but also he's trying to track down his wife sorry his, his mother and his brother who yeah. have all run away you're dead right because she committed uh, suicide at Oxford University College that would just be so easy to find at any newspaper archive on microfiche. I, just, I don't, I you don't would get it. Yeah, hang on. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was in the, it was in the paper, but also, I mean, let's face it, you know, if he'd gone to the Register of Births and Deaths, yeah. he'd have, he'd it have been, be there. been there in an afternoon. It would you know, be so. there, yes. Yeah. So that sort of weaves through about four hours. <laughs> you know. Four you know. long hours that i'm not getting back and it also also leads to i mean there's this this strange uh you know i got him you got him too you've got to get him too so these two children of this judge are basically both being brought up as sociopaths for no good reason can i also well basically to give michael murray an interesting backstory to explain why he's weak so that they can manipulate that so that his his twitch or the twitch and the and the and the arm waving oh god jerry nelson's children were terribly underdeveloped and awful ciphers and i really thought that was appalling um i mean you had anna friel she could have acted if she'd had the chance but she yes. she has this weird moment when she's talking about um, um, bleached blonde hair and rippling muscles, and she's too young mm. to be saying those lines. And it just mm. feels like you don't know children, Alan Bleasdale, at all. And they're just there to be ciphers and to laugh and mm. yeah. awful. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think we're I think we're probably we're we're probably there. To be pretty much. <laughs> winding up where because i mean i've got i've got all sorts of i'll i'll, I'll read you some of these these I, I write big notes sometimes at the side of the page when i'm writing the plot as i go along yes i do actually do that yeah <laughs> and and so there's one here that says and whilst justice is served suddenly it feels tasteless okay 
Okay. That's a nice one. Gosh. You know, uh, and finally decides what it wants to be somewhere about halfway through episode seven. Yes, but that's not okay. That is not okay. No, no, I'm not saying that. Yeah. And and there is a whole thing of life as comedy, life as tragedy, uh, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it because I do. This is one I know what it's, this is well, entirely what to make. I, of I, well, I know what you make of it, but what I'm saying is this is one of those dramas that's supposed to define the 1990s. This is supposed to be one of the I mean, you know, massive cornerstones of British drama, Channel Four, in the 1990s. Yeah. This is when it was at its pinnacle. This was at its best, and this, when you watch it, is so troubling. I mean, we've not really even touched on the basic violence. The you know, the, yeah. when the the waiter is beaten up for no very good yeah. reason, or that bloke is left on the wires, out, you yeah. know, by by the the policeman, or the general thuggery, or the the setting fire to cars, or the was street battles, or just these people being punched and kicked and ah, oh! and I know maybe that is, I mean, this, this the clue is in the title that is it's about violence and. But, but for no good purpose. What do we learn we don't from learn it? learn anything about it because he says it's a plea for common decency. That's bottom line. That's what he says the show's about. It's him. him play- but he's not because he's creating a drama in which people are manipulated to be violent. And it's about You've got just nine hours. It's just nine hours nine, to get nine to hours, the common decency. Nine hours, clip. 45 minutes, please. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I'm saying, until you get to the common decency play, uh, you've had nine yeah. hours of plot. Yeah. And the point is that, yes, we are supposed to think, oh, isn't it awful what they're doing to those children? Oh, isn't it awful what when they beat up that man? And, and, and you know, I mean, that, that Michael Murray liked the waiter, so why did he have to get beaten up? And, and then he, he makes the point of giving him the money again, that he, that he bribed him yeah. to get the champagne to the room. And, all, and that, so that's supposed to show us that he's actually a man of the people. When he does the speech to the the ethnic communities yeah. in the Town hall. he is we, we we're supposed to this is this is after the the first failed downfall and they build him up again yeah and suddenly you actually for a brief moment you see the power of the man in theory you know but it's yeah. oh and I, I, i'd also like to say i feel really uncomfortable about even going anywhere near the people of color stuff in this because well, I'm not a person of colour and I, w- I would really be worried about how this plays to someone who um, who has this experience and who is a person of colour because I, I worry that it, it even has things that I don't know as a privileged white but, middle but, class. Yeah, but this male. is it. It's, 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 it's middle class white privilege writing. Yes, utterly. For ethnic community. Totally. And I suspect nowadays there is no way in hell you would be allowed to do that no you would you know you would you would you either have to get another writer in i mean the interesting thing for us is uh yesterday we watched the latest series of endeavor okay i've watched Um, that recently as well so i know all about it yeah yeah, we've not i've not seen the third one yet but but we've watched the first two the first one was directed by sean evans himself Uh But the second one, which is about um, racism and racist attacks and uh, a right wing group, yes. they, they, they actually got an Asian director in to direct it yeah. because that's the way things have to be. Now. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about the writer, but that's right. certainly the that's director. Right. It's just like um, they had for Doctor Who for Rosa that it was um, who, who wrote Rosa? Yes. Was it? Oh. Mallory Black? Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. I, I, off the top of me, I've yeah. got, but um, yeah. you, you can you can drop that in later. And well, I can't because you can't suddenly have someone saying it was this because that sounds shit. 
<laughs> oh, you just sort of... Anyway, go on. But yeah, I just I felt very uncomfortable with those elements because I just knew they wouldn't play okay now. Just as much as the mental health stuff does does not play at all. I just don't think you could put it on TV. I would actually challenge anyone out there to tell me in re, in, a, in a way that's arguable that this is a good drama series that could be defended mm. on any level now. Yeah. But it was such a stylistic mess, regardless of all the terrible things that it's saying. It's so mm. all over the place that yes. it's, it can't be it can't be defended on those grounds either. It has no clue what it wants to be at all. <laughs> it's just ah. It, it is interesting that, uh, as a writer for television, uh, Alan Bleasdale has 15 credits. Uh-huh. And basically, GBH and Jake's Progress were the, <coughs> the four years apart in the early 90s. Uh, he wrote Melissa in the late 90s. Uh, dramatised Oliver Twist, weirdly. Uh, and then didn't work on television for 11 years and there hasn't got a credit since um i don't know what that says i mean when when you're talking about what you might say i mean part of what we're doing in this series is is looking at what you what are considered the big writers yeah you know and he is really genuinely thought of as one of the the big television writers yeah. and i'm assuming he's done other work i'm not i'm not yeah. saying he hasn't yeah. worked for for 20 years but but it's interesting that this really this and Jake's progress are probably peak Bleasdale okay. and maybe his style of writing yeah no <laughs> so, yeah uh just doesn't fit anymore yeah. i mean yeah politically whatever i mean obviously 97 uh tony blair came to power whatever that means um you know maybe there was there was nothing to rail against when you actually had a so a, a allegedly socialist government yeah allegedly know. new labor yeah uh well you know and uh and that was around for what 13 yeah. years and then then we got the last decade of horrificness yeah. lots of things that possibly were alluded to in this series kind of happened in the real world uh, unpleasantly enough and maybe you know you could argue that this is just an inevitable uh, view of how society develops when it's left unchecked but but in the end i don't think it's prescient i don't think it's necessarily clever i just think it's unpleasant and messy. strangely structured. I maintain, yeah. I maintain that the opening could work as a standalone, and the last three episodes, you know, three or four episodes could probably be worked into a decent two-hour movie. But dear God, yeah. Oh, and we haven't even touched on the whole Doctor Who convention thing. Oh, well, let's not. Unless that we did. Just, yes, you did. You mentioned it, and that was more than enough. It's yeah. just so that a, a Dalek could say, "It's just say fornicate, fornicate rather than exterminate." That's yeah. all it was there for. Because that's it's, how it's lazy. Basically, that's how lazy Alan Bleasdale is as a writer. It's lazy. It's garlic bread, isn't it? Crap. It's garlic bread yeah. all over yeah, again. Just, and uh, oh, um, isn't that a funny joke? You know. Uh, so um, yeah, an interesting take. I'm sure we'll we'll have people who um, disagree. Uh, well, yeah, 80, sure. 86% of the people on IMDb say it's a great drama. Hooray! Uh, uh, you, may, maybe a lot of them haven't actually seen well, it. Well, that's all like... I don't know. I mean, like it's, it's presumably been on other, uh, you know, in, uh, watchable in other places since. I mean, I'm, it's, it's, I'm assuming it hasn't just... It's on, the thing is, it's on all four now. Yes. So it's actually being effectively being shown now. 
Yes. And that is not acceptable. No. I don't find that acceptable at all. There's some things that if you just watch them with any sort of eye, you think, oh my God, we can't put this on TV anymore. Mm. Because it's of a different... And you're not... Yeah, and you're not going to um, uh, do your usual thing of if you want to watch before. <laughs> well, no, I will, but only so that I can shoot these people down in flames. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you talk about Doctor Who. I mean, now I feel better about the fact that the worst that we've got is Talents of Wang Chiang in terms of like, <laughs> you know what I mean? In terms of what's bad. I mean, compared, I mean that's like a mm. fucking walk in the park. This is just mm. abhorrent. <laughs> well, yes, I mean, yeah. Oh, but shall we leave it there? I think we probably should. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? Because so, this, this, can you recommend this, this series? Is this series of um, podcast is is meant to be about going back and sort of like enjoying archive TV, or is it, or is it meant to be critiquing? Because, because what we're the implication of doing this sort of series is we're saying old TV was amazing, we loved it, and we are archive TV mm. fans. But mm. in this case, except when it really isn't. And I find that interesting because the implication is by doing this series that you're saying everything's great in the past. Mm. But it, it isn't necessarily. And is that affected by the world having moved on very rapidly recently? Or, or what? You know, it's just... I, I'm just fascinated by that conundrum. I, th I think, I mean, there, there is an understanding that certain stuff from the 60s and 70s can seem tasteless to modern yeah. eyes or, or, or inappropriate to modern eyes and ears. But um, it's interesting because I don't really consider... the. I, I wouldn't have thought the, the 90s was no. particularly long ago, and yet it feels like a completely different world. The other fascinating thing to me, of course, is that this, ju this just... It's just... We... I mean, I, I mean especially you. Yeah. You... We, when we picked it as the letter G, it's because we thought this was one of the yeah shining for, shining lights, yeah the shining lights of of drama. Yeah. You know, we were really thinking, yeah, well, we'll be able to you know the, knock this one out of the park, and yet you know we rather just knock it out. <laughs> delete, delete. Yeah, it just needs to go in the fire. What's that woman who called who <laughs> destroyed all the Doctor Who tapes in the fire? Uh. <laughs> well, yes. If you could keep one and lose one, yeah. oh. uh, I, I think say, we'd better. I say on, a, on, a, no, on, go on. on a good note at the end, I should say I thought Robert Lindsay acted well. I should say that there's some very good acting in it. There's some very good actors in it. Well, no, there's yeah. some good actors some of whom in you've it. Even very met. little good acting. I would say Robert Lindsay. Well, yeah, Clifford Rose, obviously. But honestly, I do think most of the acting was really over the top, or they didn't know what they were doing. I think the direction was so poor <laughs> that the people were left stranded and didn't know what to do. And Julie Walters. Julie Walters. Yeah, but Julie Walters was just being Julie Walters. She didn't need any direction. Mm. She was just who she no. was is. Mm. <sighs> well, I think we'll leave it I there. I think so too. Um, <sighs> okay. So, what are we doing next, Martin? I'm exhausted. <laughs> I've never been so anti anything for such a long time. In such ferociousness. So we'll we'll, we'll regroup again for another letter because <laughs> we love this. Oh, oh. Yeah. But at least we can say we're not a series that will just like everything and say everything's fine. Oh, yes. Yes, we're not kissing bottoms, however many they wave in our faces. Right. Oh, 
And I don't want to see Michael Palin's bottom again, let alone kiss it. Quite right, too. Okay, then. <laughs> I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Oh, it's so fun. we'll see you for H next time. Take care. Okay, Bye-bye. cheers, Mike. Bye. listening to an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy Priestner and Martin Holmes. Next time, The History Man. This is Andy here just to say... Martin and I would be really grateful if you could write us a review on iTunes because it helps people to find the show on there and also it'll make us feel warm inside. We'd also love to hear from you on Twitter and you can do that at TV Drama Pod. Thank you.